It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. Got Kara Levin's very own Reggie Wilson with me. Life is good. Happy Tuesday, Reg. Fourth of July weekend. Treat you well. Happy Tuesday, brother. Yeah, Fourth of July weekend was really chill. You know, I didn't get any barbecue, but... You know, maybe next time. We're all rested up, though, and a long weekend means we got plenty to catch up on, including plenty of Twins action, a couple late-inning heroics for the good guys for once. Who's the most underrated Vikings player on the roster today? And later, I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. So let's talk about those twins, shall we? Last time we spoke, we were down in the dumps. Things were (laughs) feeling bleak, a a black cloud over our head because the twins had just handed their biggest division rival game after game with blown late-inning leads, literally just turning wins into losses, and it hurt. I mean, it stung quite a bit for fans, but this is baseball. It's a long season. The sun kept rising, and the Twins seemed to have shaken it off because over the weekend, they took the series from the Orioles two games Mm -hmm. to one with not one but two walk-off winners. Byron Buxton, walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth Friday night to give Mm -hmm. the Twins a 3-2 win. Jose Miranda was the hero Saturday with a walk-off base hit. Twins lose Sunday but bounce back last night versus the White Sox with a four-run 10th inning to beat Chicago 6-3 and start the series off with a win. Reggie, this is baseball. The MLB ebbs and flows, man. It's a marathon, not a sprint. After all that bad drama last week versus Cleveland, we sit here today, three-and-a-half game lead on the Guardians once again. Reggie, maybe, just maybe, this Twins team is pretty good. (laughs) I feel like we say this like once a week. Because they do things that you're just like, what the? And then they come back and they're like, oh, wait. Okay. All right. Oh, we're good again. Okay. Okay, Cool. Uh Cool. Uh You know, last week was about as debilitating and demoralizing as it gets. Mm -hmm. But we talked about it. Rocco's just like, look, man, like, got to play the hands I'm dealt. You know, Mm -hmm. like, these are the guys they bless me with. For better or for worse, <laughs> I'm blessed. I'm blessed, man. So, I'm you grateful. know, he just throws the guys out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it's just interesting. Uh, last night was very interesting. You know, Buxton comes out to run blast. The dude is on fire, by the way. It's insane. All like, star him, you mm-hmm. know, all star the man. But what was interesting was, you know, the, the bullpen blew the, the 2 1 lead. Uh, not too much, though. You know, when it seemed like uh, Duffy was going to get in some trouble last night, you're just like, oh, shoot, here we go. Here we go. Here we go again. Seen this movie. They pull off the freaking triple play. That was a comical play, by the way. Like, the Twins posted the tweet last night uh, with Buxton and Gio Urshela just, like, posing for the picture. Like, man, that, that thing went, like, completely left but ended up right. Right, that was wild. Because, like, you know, incredible catch by Buxton. Mm -hmm. Then he throws it back on the the infield, and the the throw was just 
Amiss. She just like, threw it in. It, just, it was just kind of crazy. But like the the White Sox, I don't know what school of base running they went to. Is <laughs> it was the school of hard knocks, I guess. But something. They were like way off, and it was probably like the easiest triple play that you'd ever see turned, but also just the strangest 8-5 triple play that you will ever see. I and think so, the first one in MLB history, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so it's just like, then they come out, you know, it goes to extras, and they come out in the 10th, and they put four runs on them. Felt good. You know? Joe uh, comes in, and, and he's just – he's not the same guy. I used to watch him with the Cardinals, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Kelly, back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he was solid. You know, borderline starter, ended up going to the bullpen. That dude looked like Emilio Pagan last night. Some guy, <laughs> like, hit me in, on Twitter Whoa. and was just like, he pitched like what we're used to seeing from Emilio Pagan. And then Emilio Pagan comes out. Stuff looked great, man. Looking like, like Pete just, Joe Kelly. <laughs> Figure it out. He just he comes out and he does what he needs to do, and they come out and they put four runs on Joe Kelly in the tenth, and then you know it got a little scary there in the bottom of the tenth. Pretty gritty win. I mean, this is a team that is nipping at your heels just like the Guardians are. So like these games are very important, and they did what they had to do. That was a a gritty. Gritty win, you know, at a time that emotions were really high in the Chicago area. You know, they made the decision to play the game after that tragedy yesterday. Just mm-hmm. unthinkable tragedy yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really all the the things were in place for the White Sox to kind of do their thing and win that game. And the Twins were resilient and went in there all business and, and got the win. That was impressive. All the fans put the whole spotlight on Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland. we got to beat the Guardians. Mm-hmm. But you're right. White Sox, by the time this thing is all said and done, the dust settles, we get down to those final 10, 15 games. They're right there. It, it could be the White Sox just as easily yep. nipping on the Twin Seals or going game for game, blow for blow with the Twins yep. for that first place spot in the division. It's been so much fun to watch Byron Buxton, man. What more can you say than that? I bet you that guy uses Rock Auto. Rock Auto, family surf business, serving do-it-yourselfers like Reggie and I for over 20 years, reliably low prices, brake parts, tail lamps, even new carpet for your vehicle. Go to rockauto.com today. That's rockauto.com. Back to more twins. Reggie, that was ugly last week. Was this weekend enough to like shake all that bad mojo, that bad blood after back-to-back walk-off winners and then another 10th inning win last night. Like, should fans have that goldfish mentality and forget about that Cleveland nightmare? Flush it. After this weekend, feeling good again, hit the reset button. Or did that get so ugly last week, do you think that will stick with fans and the team in the clubhouse for quite some time? I mean, is it burned in their brain for good, no matter how many late in heroics we see? Or is this exactly what we needed to kind of quiet that storm and say, what's in the past is in the past now. We can let that go. I think what is interesting is fans won't forget. Mm-hmm. I mean, fans, mm-hmm. they never forget. Right. So whenever they get into these late inning situations, I had a guy on Twitter last night just like I turned the game off. I couldn't even watch. Like he's just anticipating heartbreak. That's where we're at for some people. Yeah. And and I get it because it's mm-hmm. happened so often this season, but the Twins don't seem to care about that. You know, when Buxton came out on Friday and blasted off for the walk-off home run 
against the Orioles. It was just like, well, so much for that. Yep. You know, I think it was that was like the okay, we're just gonna wipe that one away. And we're from back. the previous series. Yeah. And then another late game, mm-hmm. you know, heroic situation from the Twins bats. And you're just like, man, this team is just nails, man. Like they don't even care. Like they've been getting their heart taken out of their chest. And they're just like, oh, sorry, I'll take that back. Stick that back in. We're good now. Yeah, we're, we're good. You know, talks of our demise are overstated. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, we've said on this show, maybe the team is just good, man. Like, it's tough to say that, though, when you see them, like, break down on some of these series and some of these games that they should win. And if they had a better bullpen effort, had better performances late game, like you're talking about maybe one of the best teams in baseball. But because of where they've fallen at certain times this season, you know, you just kind of put them, you know, upper tier, like middle of the pack, if you will. And it's just interesting because coming into this season, we thought that maybe the starting pitching would be the issue. And surely enough, the starting pitching has been largely fine. It's been the bullpen that has given you pause. And, you know, Wes Johnson leaves for LSU, and what do they do? They promote the bullpen coach to full-time pitching coach. And you're just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How does that work? But I think ebbs and flows of the season, man, things just kind of stabilize where they can. And I think that's a a situation where – you know, you're going to get some bad games from the bullpen mm-hmm. because the bullpen is just not that good. Mm-hmm. But then you're going to get some games like last night where you're just like, oh, they got out of it. Okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. And I don't know if you call it an outlier as you just call it like this is just the game of baseball. like, mm-hmm. And this is just the game of baseball for the Twins this season. And so you just take the good with the bad and you just hope that there is more good than bad. Yeah, this weekend was fun. Even if fans are still thinking about Cleveland, we saw Buxton walk off. Last night, Byron jacked out his 22nd home run of the year. We also saw history made when the Twins forced that first 8-5 triple play on the White Sox last night. More impressive feat, the triple play by Buxton or the walk-off bomb Friday night. Or, I don't know if you heard about this, the fact the Twins were the first team in AL history to lose back-to-back games in walk-off fashion only to follow them up with two back-to-back games of walk-off winners themselves. I mean, Twins breaking all kinds of records this weekend. That was the most impressive thing to me. I think so. Especially being that, you know, you had back-to-back backbreakers. Right. And you just saw it coming. You're just like, oh, my gosh, here we go. But then to come back and have back-to-back walk-off winners of your own, like, that is impressive, man. Like, that – Shows the grit of a team that just won't quit, mm-hmm. won't say no, mm-hmm. will continue to fight. Like, that is impressive that that's how they chose to respond to, you know, other teams, you know, probably would have been down in the dumps, you know, probably would have, you know, slid a little bit. But they were they were determined not to. And that was impressive. I think that. And we've seen that several times this season when they look down and out, they just respond back with a few good games and and you're just like, dang, all right, well, I guess they flushed that one down the toilet. And that is an impressive 
impressive feat from this team to do time and time again. And I think, you know, that mentality comes from manager Rocco Baldelli because a lot of times in these debilitating wins, they ask him, he's just like, yeah, man, it was terrible. It was a tough win, but we just we got to bounce back. We can't we can't dwell on this one. And shoot, man, they must listen to him because they don't. And I think that is like the mark of a team that should have something to say down the stretch here at the the end of the season. Yeah, it may be the most underrated characteristic about this ball club. You say it all the time. They get a bad beat, a bad loss, a late-inning comeback, blown lead, whatever it may be. They seem to bounce back Mm -hmm. in a big way. And so often you see teams end up sliding quite a bit, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're in second, they're in third, they're 10 games back. Not this Twins team. Their ability to bounce back after crush, just emotional losses have been a huge, huge characteristic of this ball club which is really cool twins lead back again three and a half over cleveland five and a half up on chicago game two versus the white Sox tonight 7 10 p.m first pitch chris archer on the mound always good for five innings reggie and i will be back here tomorrow to break it all down all right to football we go 69 days until week one of the NFL season kicks off. Nice. ESPN's latest article ripped off the most underrated player for all 32 teams. For your Minnesota Vikings, the man of the hour was, drumroll please, defensive lineman Harrison Phillips. Kevin Mm. Seifert noted Phillips' eighth-ranked run-stopping ability last season and mentioned just how badly the Vikings need for a run-stuffing lineman after ranking near the bottom in multiple defensive rushing categories in 2021. Reggie, I'm going to ask you who your most underrated Viking is here in a minute, but let's take a few moments here for some Harrison Phillips appreciation. I just really love this signing right from the get-go, and Vikings needed a fresh young body they can count on in the trenches defensively this season. Yeah, when you talk about the production or lack thereof that you got from Michael Pierce the last couple seasons, this guy is quite opposite of that you know Mm -hmm. he's dependable he's ascending he's still a young guy and you know I think he's somebody that you you talk about the run stuffing things but I think you have to watch out for him as a pass rusher as well and that was a a signing you know just a low-key signing you know, and all that, but like I see the the type of of trajectory here, where you know he's he signed here for I think it was a three year deal, and you could see a guy that could spend the rest of his career here if he mm. has the type of impact that you know the Vikings are hoping that he does, and I think he's entering into his prime and he's only gonna get better, and he has the right attitude. You know, you love the nickname Horrible Harry. You know, he's going to disrupt some things there. And I think when you talk about guys that are bought in, like he's all the way bought in to what the Vikings are trying to build on that defensive side. Plays right into Ed Donatel's defense. And I'm just excited to see what he does to just really blow up games from the interior standpoint. Yeah, you know, I can't say for certain, but watching him on tape, almost a foregone conclusion, Harrison Phillips is a big fan of BetOnline. BetOnline, <laughs> number one source for all your betting needs. MLB to NFL, BetOnline offers the latest news, scores, and updates and makes betting easy. Go to BetOnline.com today. That's BetOnline. 
com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So I watched a ton of Harrison Phillips Mm -hmm. coming out of Stanford. And one thing that always jumped off the tape for me was his motor. I mean, he's a guy who plays through the whistle on every snap and gives you 100% effort and tries to win every single snap. Like you mentioned, he's never been known for getting after the quarterback, you know, Mm -hmm. much and since one and a half sacks for his career. But that's Mm -hmm. okay if he's not this big pass rushing menace. You got Hunter, Zadarius, some other guys to do that for you. But what the Vikings really needed was a guy they can plug the middle of their defense in the run game more than anything. Something they really haven't had since Linval Joseph. As you mentioned, Michael Pierce was supposed to be that guy, mm-hmm. but never really panned out. Phillips is going to team nicely, I think, with Dalvin Tomlinson and give Ed Donatel just two big body beef eaters that can chew up blockers in this new 3-4 and open things up for guys like Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks and guys like that. So that means, you know, when you look at the stat sheet every Monday morning and the box score and it says Phillips, oh man, he only had two tackles yesterday. What's going on with that? (laughs) There's more than meets the eye with a guy like Phillips. Absolutely. And, you know, if he's the same guy he was in Buffalo, if the Vikings are getting that same dude, he's going to be a huge addition to this defense playing both the five tech at end. And at times I expect he can slide in over, play the nose tackle over the center as well. So having that versatility is really important as well because you need a good nose tackle in this defense. Not to mention, you may know more about this than I do, but He's apparently one of the nicest dudes off the field. Huge part of the community outreach program, staying active in any way he can by helping the community wherever he is. He was known for that in Buffalo. Super pumped about Harrison Phillips in purple this year. Okay, I bought you some time there, Reggie. You had a chance to think about it. Who's your most underrated Viking on this roster as we sit here today? There's so many that I can go with, but I think my first thought, is Brian O'Neill. Gotta be, right? Well, I think it's interesting because, like, he finally gets his due mm-hmm. this past season, mm-hmm. you know, making the, Pro, the Bowl. Pro Bowl. And you're just like, okay, all right. But I still just don't think – if you said Brian O'Neill to, like, 75 85 90% of the people around the country, they'd be like, who? Right. Oh, does he sell insurance? Is that my insurance salesman? Yeah. Yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. Is, is he an accountant? I don't. I don't know. What, who is that? Like, it sounds like a guy that you see on a billboard or something like right. that. Like, just come on, shop with me. <laughs> but it's just crazy because like the Vikings know what's up. You know, mm-hmm. before the season started, they signed him to a five-year, ninety-two million dollar deal. So like. They know that he's very valuable to this team. But, you know, you, you look at a guy and that got a contract that big without having any, like, all-pro type seasons. Mm-hmm. But, like, just because he didn't doesn't mean that he's not good. But I, it, it's like now is the time that, you know, you, you'd hope that the Pro Bowl and getting that type of national recognition kind of puts him on the radar. Kind of wakes some people up. Yeah, in the national spotlight because 
he is very, very good, man. Like, and, and durable, consistent, a pro's pro. Like, the, he's the guy that, you know, you never have to worry about. You just, you're like, okay, Brian's over there. Okay, cool. We don't have to worry about that. Kirk is going to be good from that right side. Yeah, it's all good. We're good over there. So valuable. And, yeah, and it's something to be said about guys mm-hmm. like that. And so I think, you know, he's if if you sleep on him, I think he's gonna wake him up. He's a Pro Bowl player that doesn't yeah. get the Pro Bowl recognition. And I know he just made the Pro Bowl, so kind of a mute point there. But you know, the theory still stands. Offensive linemen are tough to unless you do it, you know, for three, four, five years in a row. Mm-hmm. They just don't get a lot of recognition just in general. Right. My guy was Brian O'Neill. I could go to another offensive lineman for the Vikings too, that's pretty underrated. Ezra Cleveland. Mm. He hasn't been around as long as Brian O'Neill, but again, a guy that just comes in and has done his job quietly to a really high level of play year in year out game in and game out and he doesn't get a lot of love either but he's kind of on this same path that Brian O'Neill was where he's getting better every season they don't talk about him a ton because he's doing his job Mm -hmm. and second round pick top 50 pick out of Boise State he's got some serious talent too there's a reason he was picked in the top 50 selections overall three years ago so he's kind of on that same path I'll give you one more we talked about him Friday when we did Viking superlatives Jordan Hicks Mm-hmm. Jordan Hicks, man, signs a quiet two-year, $8 million deal. Right. Uh, 100 tackles every single season. Yep. Was great in Philly. Was great in Arizona. Can do a little bit of everything. I think he's pretty underrated. I'm excited to see him team up with Eric Kendricks in the middle, too, oh, yeah. as Harrison Phillips chews up some of those blockers. All right, 69 days until week one of the NFL kicks off. Three weeks away from Vikings training camp, kicking off in Egan at TCO Facilities. Full dates and practice schedule up on Viking.com right now. Until then, Reggie and I got you covered every step of the way. All right, time has come. My favorite segment's here. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with What Does It Mean? Covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports. First up, it's been a while since we chatted here. Some big news in Minnesota Mm -hmm. Timberwolves. Blockbuster move over the weekend trading away Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, their first-round pick, Jared Vanderbilt, and four four first-round picks for All-Star center Rudy Gobert. So what does it mean for the Wolves' new lineup with this starting five that sounds like this? Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Ant Edwards, D'Lo, and Jaden McDaniels. Specifically, fans also want to know, too, here, Reggie, second part of this question, how's this going to play out for Cat, who can now move to more of a power forward role and get out of that center position? You know, there's going all in, and then there's doing what the Wolves did. Right. And it's just interesting (laughs) because you look at, you know, the Nuggets the last several years, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's where Tim Connolly, the president of basketball operations, came from. They never really did something like what the Wolves are attempting to do now, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, we got these two big dudes, and what are you going to do about it? And it's interesting because there have been a lot of people, you know, for and against this trade. The people that are against the trade say like, well, like, that's so much to give up for this guy. And, you know, he's he's not like a guy that you you just – think is going to be you know this dominant dude like he can't guard the perimeter and all this stuff so this is the thing small ball big ball like it doesn't matter like what 
they're trying to do, you know, from an opponent standpoint, the Wolves are like, you're going to get these big bodies and let's see what you can do about it. What's interesting is, is you look at the Gobert trade and a lot of people that are for this trade talk about how Rudy was the best defender on the floor there, but he didn't get a whole lot of help. And so he was out on the perimeter a lot trying mm-hmm. to do a little bit more than his bandwidth. Mm-hmm. And now you look at guys like Ant, you look at guys like Jaden McDaniels, and and Cat is much more athletic, you know, than you know some of the other bigs. So he can move a little bit, and you know, Cat likes to stretch the floor anyway. So like, I I don't think you'll see a, a situation where they're kind of clogging up the the middle of the mm-hmm. floor and clogging up the paint area. I think this kind of allows like a little bit more spacing. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of criticize Cat for taking as many, you know, deep threes and, you know, jump shots as he does. But now this almost kind of gives him a little bit more leeway to do mm-hmm. that because you got Rudy in the paint, you know, cleaning up the boards. What I will say is they got bludgeoned in that series against Memphis. I think if they had better rebounding in that series, they win that series probably four games to two or something like that. What was tough about those games was they were getting out-rebounded to death, man. Like, they were just – the second chance points were there. And then when the Wolves were missing shots, they were not getting the boards and and getting another crack at it. So that allowed Memphis to get back into a lot of those games that they ended up ballooning a lead to. And now you talk about a guy who is a a rim stuffer – and he's a, a guy that is a little bit of a rim runner as well. You know, it should be fun, you know, catching lobs from D'Lo or, mm-hmm. you know, whoever would throw it up to him. But now you're talking about a guy that if you miss a shot, like he's going to be able to go up there and grab it and and get it back to some of the playmakers. And, you know, you talk about better second chance opportunities. And, you know, on a from a defensive standpoint, you know, you're not going to be able to come in that lane and, and think it's going to be sweet. Like, you're going to have to meet Rudy there. You know, stifle tower vibes. So, I think it can work. I'm interested to see how Finch kind of puts it together because, like, when you do see, like, two big men like that, like, I don't know that in today's NBA you really know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And there were times, you know, in the playoffs where, you know, the big men were kind of getting played out of the game. But I think what they're banking on is they're just like, look, we're just going to force you to to beat us. You know, like, if you look at that final series, like, the Warriors had a time with the rebounding against Boston, you know, because they had – and they weren't even guys that were seven feet. You're talking about Robert Williams and, and the like, six foot nine. You know, but they were big bodies, so they decided that they needed to keep Kevon Looney in there because they needed a presence that was going to rebound a little bit better than maybe like a Draymond Green if you played a a five-man lineup with him as the five. And so now you're looking at teams that you're just like, you know, whether or not you play small ball or not, we're about to, like, get these bigs in your face and and see what you can do about it. And you, you think about it. 
They give up Malik Beasley. They give up Walker Kessler, who it was just like, dang, he only stayed here long enough to get a cup of coffee. Like, he didn't even experience his first Minnesota winter or anything like mm-hmm. that. He didn't even get comfortable, et cetera. I hope he didn't get an apartment yet or, or a condo or a house or anything because he was out before he really got in. Like, that was just kind of crazy. They posted him working out. That It was a really, you know, nice feel-good story. Walker Kessler's grandfather played for the Gophers. Now he's going to play for the Timberwolves. It's like, yeah, that's cute. You know, we're <laughs> out. You know, Patrick Beverly shows up to the introductory press conference mm-hmm. with Tim Connolly, and then Tim Connolly is just like, hey, Pat, really appreciate it, but you got to go. Got to go to Utah. And then those four first-round picks. Now, look, this is what I'll say about those first-round picks. If the Timberwolves are as good as they hope to be, those first-round picks are not really that great. Not that valuable. They're they're not picking in the lottery. So you're just like, all right, we can live with that. Also, the draft is so hit or miss, man. Like, you look at some of the – yeah. Yeah, you look at the the first-round picks the last five years with the the Timberwolves, like – they only really hit on Anthony Edwards. Like, mm-hmm. some of the other guys are not – like, I saw Josh Kogi signed a, a one-year contract with the Phoenix Suns. Like, he's he's gone. He was starting last year. He went from starting to really not even being a rotational guy, you know, within a matter of months last season. And you're talking about a former first-round pick. And now he's, you know, taking a, a you know, small deal – in Phoenix for a year to just kind of, you know, do his thing over there. They're, they're signing him for his defensive prowess. And you're just like, dang, man, that's one down the drain. You know, and Andrew Wiggins traded him away, you know. So when you think about like, yeah, those four first-round picks are a little tough to, to swallow. But if, you know, Rudy's 30. You know, you sign Cat to the Supermax. Rudy has four more years left on the Supermax he signed last year. And then, you know, you hope to sign Ant when his contract comes up to a Supermax. And now you got your big three. And you're riding with those guys moving forward. And you just hope that they have enough to really compete in the Western Conference. And those picks really don't mean much over the next four years. The entire NBA, you saw it in the playoffs, going small, like you mentioned. They're zigging while the Wolves are zagging, going bigger. But the facts are this, the Wolves just added the best defensive big man in the NBA, arguably, Mm -hmm. a top three win share per 48 guy without giving up Ant, Cat, Jaden, or D'Lo. So they kept the nucleus, the core, 100% intact. And like you mentioned, I'm a big draft guy, so when I saw those draft picks, I go, ooh, that hurts. But NBA's so much different than the NFL. You're right. Unless you're in those first top 10, 12 picks, it's a crapshoot, man. So, you know, people were excited about Walker Kessler maybe turning into something here eventually a few years down the road. Now you push the chips all in and get a proven all-star and something that you really needed to help Cat along as well. The other big winner, too, I think, is Jaden McDaniels being able to keep him second best young player on the Timberwolves and a lot of fans' opinion. Lockdown defender. He's now the starter at the three, I think, with this trade. And he's going to be put in the spotlight for sure on the wing next to Anthony Edwards. More McDaniels is definitely a good thing in Minnesota. He needs to develop a little bit more of his game. We know maybe Work a little on that bit jump more. shot. Yeah, catch and shoot three kind of guy. But 
being able to keep him, I think, was a big part of this trade as well. Last one real quick as we wrap up before we go. We haven't talked about this all week. I haven't seen you. The big thing that fans are worried about outside of the draft picks, I guess, is the depth. When it gets into the playoffs, all of a sudden, not a ton of depth on this roster, it feels like, anymore. Hey, the starting five is phenomenal. That gets people excited, puts people in the seats, but the depth's a concern. Also... The contract and, and cap situation, it's starting to look a little murky here because Towns just signed $244 million contract extension. Gobert makes $170 over the next four years. You know Ant and his Supermax contracts right around the corner. And D'Lo's kind of clogging this whole thing up, making 30 mil here too. What worries you more? The lack of depth, especially as you try to make a playoff run, or just the future and the cloudiness over it, knowing that we're kind of pushing a lot of chips all in here. And this year or maybe two seasons are going to kind of be deep into the playoffs or bust, finals or bust. That cap situation looks a little murky. What worries you a little bit more? So, uh, funny enough, I'm actually not all that worried. Um, this whole situation with the the depth, like, will figure itself out. Like, they've mm -hmm. signed a couple guys and – you know they'll they'll try to utilize those guys as depth. They really are banking on the development of Jalen Noel and Nas mm -hmm. Reed as well. You know Nas Reed, great guy off the bench, man. Like he's Love just him. an energy guy. He mm -hmm. can pop a three every now and again as well. Like. Great guy. Like, I love Nas Reed's game. Like, he just comes in, gives you quality minutes. And really, D'Lo's on this is, really is an expiring deal now, you know, with this one year left on it. And now you're like, well, okay, at the end of that, do you sign him to maybe a shorter-term deal, you know, until you have to, like, lock up Ant? Or do you just kind of let him walk, get some type of, like, complimentary piece that mm -hmm. is not very expensive and have that person play the point guard position. But I, I don't – it's interesting because you see teams with a, a strapped cap, you know, just kind of sign, you know, players to these vet minimum deals, mm -hmm. these mid-level mid -level exception deals. And that's probably what you're going to see with this Wolves team moving forward. And they hope to be relevant. Like the terrible thing is if – you know, they, they make this deal for this trade and then, you know, they're a middling franchise. They're they're not, you know, in it. But I think they hope to be probably like four or five seed or higher, you know, moving forward for the rest of Rudy's time in Minnesota. And you just hope to see that they are competitive and then you just kind of do what you can at the, the point guard position because you can't afford to keep D'Lo and pay Ann as well. Yeah, a lot of good points there for sure. Here's a fact. Wolves have not advanced into the second round of the playoffs since 2004. Tim Connolly was brought in to shake things up. And this may seem like a big, bold move, very risky, mortgaging the future. But what they've been doing the last two decades hasn't been working. They got a real shot again to, if nothing else, be a lot more exciting, put some more fans in the seat here with this, oh my gosh, fun, exciting starting five lineup. That's for sure Absolutely. plenty more to break down all week that's a wrap here for now back here tomorrow breaking down more twin vikings wolves plenty more remember to like rate review and subscribe to the youtube channel join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in minnesota sports he's reggie wilson follow him on twitter at reggie wilson tv and on care 11 i'm luke inman on twitter at luke underscore spinman tune in tomorrow to superior sports talk part of locked on sports minnesota for reggie I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out.
Be blessed. Spread love this week. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.